Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the I'm Stuff Podcast with your host with the most, Elton. And today, I have a good guest of mine. He's a dear cousin of mine, a good brother of mine, Gary. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, bro. I appreciate you for having me on. And uh, it's it's good to see you after however long, man. I think it's been like a year. It's almost like <laughs> it's almost been a good two minute. years, dude. Yeah, almost since we years, like bro. sat down, hang out, and just chilled. Yeah, yeah. Fucking the pandemic got us. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, so much of the world has changed since then, and uh, it's it's just really good to see you up here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Coming, you know. It's it's a hike, so yeah, it's a long drive <laughs> to get up here. Yeah, from where I'm at. But uh, let's get right into the meat potatoes, bro. You uh, you're an avid traveler, traveling all I, around the world. Yeah, I, I, I would say, I would say, uh, I used to be. Uh, now, of course, I I've been married for you know almost going on two years now. It'll be our two year anniversary, July fifteenth, and. Uh, before, uh, I, I did travel a lot, uh, as, as you've heard, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes to the dismay of my parents, uh, those were my, uh, college years, I would say my rebellious years, and within these past two years that, that I've been married, uh, it's, it's changed me a lot, and a lot of different ways because I'm able to get a perspective uh, from my wife about a lot of different things. So I, I grew as a person because of her. But in in my youth, man, like I'm talking like it was a long time ago, but this was probably like just right before I got married, man. Yeah. Uh, just just you know, people in their twenties, right? Like we we just want to have a good time. We just want to explore. We just want to do things. So that that was a period where, yeah, I did I did spend almost consecutively like a lot of time in Southeast Asia, the Southeast Asia region. You you, know. you would spend months. It was almost a whole summer there, wouldn't you? Yeah, summer, winter, and summer. Yeah, winter and summer. Yeah, and and there were times that I went twice a year. Yeah, and the first time was after high school, uh, about seven months. I was in my first semester of college. I went to community college, uh, Motlo, at the time in Smyrna. And so, and uh, you remember those days, you know, I worked at the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> I worked in the yeah, I, apron every time you made popcorn. <laughs> yeah, bro. Con- concessions, yeah. Yeah, that and and uh, worked at a two of the Japanese restaurant. Yeah, yeah. So like, saved up some money to go on my first trip there, and it was the first time that I was going to travel abroad uh, outside of the U.S. So that idea just came to mind. I think maybe about my junior year of high school. Uh, I was maybe about 15 or 16. I, I started school, like, early. Like, I started kindergarten when I was four. So I was, like, starting my junior year, I was, like, 15 still. And so I, I talked to my grandmother, 
my dad's mom every now and then uh when when I was much younger, maybe when I was like five, six or seven, uh my dad'd be talking to her all the time. And uh in those days, you know, you wrote letters back and forth to each other. Uh, but every now and then, you know, if you had money for like a phone card or something like that, you'd, you'd call the yeah. folks back home. Yeah, you back, remember back, the scratch yeah. off like phone cards, bro? Yeah, that would be to pay for minutes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for minutes. If, Can if, you imagine? Before like, before Facebook had WhatsApp and everything yeah. else and Instagram had all these DMs. Hell yeah. Like, you had to go to like the international market and buy yep, like, yep. you know, maybe a 30-minute, 16-minute phone card yeah. for like, what, $80? <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> It's, yeah, some people don't know that. Yeah, yeah, for real. I I almost forgot yeah. about that. Like it costs a lot of money just to call overseas. Yeah, and connect with them. It did. It did. Nowadays, you can just go on Facebook and you know, I guess WhatsApp yeah. is a big yeah, thing. Yeah, WhatsApp. Over there. Yeah, WhatsApp is a big thing in and miles. You can just yeah. like you just call them through Wi-Fi, and then it's like, oh, this is this it's free. Yeah. Back then, you were like paying phone cards. Like, okay, I gotta go to the store, buy a phone card. That's and right. Come back. Yeah. But actually. Our, our family, our parents would just call the international stores and buy a phone card through the phone. <laughs> and they'll just give you the numbers and you just call through that. They had a good system going there. They, they did. Just to they call did. somebody. Yeah. I, th- I, think it, I think that this just went down after uh, Facebook, you know, realized, oh, we could just do everything off the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and just, yeah, just like that. Yeah. We got Messenger yeah. and everything else and Line, WhatsApp. Yeah, it's, it's funny like, because, like, Overseas, I don't think anyone really uses um, what was it, iMessage or SMS like we do here yeah, in the states. That's right. I think the majority of everyone in Asia, particularly, they use WhatsApp or that's you right. know, or Line. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just like okay, it's, it's. I don't think they have our system in America where we get unlimited data messages and calls. That's right. It's just like yeah. okay, we just use the Wi-Fi because you know most of the time they have Wi-Fi everywhere in certain parts of Asia. Especially in Japan, it's like the whole, the whole entire country is Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> so they just use WhatsApp for free and just get the phone and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much it's that, – that, that was one of the things I did notice uh, on my first trip there was uh, they didn't send texts to each other. Yeah. Like you said, you know, just the regular SMS. They're not like, hey, text me. They're like, you know, hey, line me or send me a line mm-hmm. or like send it to me on WhatsApp you know, or send it to me on Messenger. Um, but WhatsApp is is really big over there. And I was like, why? And I, can't, I did come back wondering, like, why we didn't use apps like that mm-hmm. here in, in the U.S. So it's it's one of those things that intrigued me. Probably money. Because we have, yeah. you know, our, our networking, you know, Verizon, AT&T, uh, Sprint, and all of them. I think yeah. it's a money thing for them because it keeps them in business. Yeah, as far as yeah. if, if, we, uh, if we, I think if we all use WhatsApp, it's like, what's the point of having, you know, paying for cellular service if you're just in Wi-Fi the entire right. time? And yeah. most of us are always in Wi-Fi unless you're like traveling. Yeah. Even then, even if you're traveling, some new cars nowadays have Wi-Fi built into mm-hmm. it and an actual modem in the car where you can just yeah. travel with Wi-Fi. Yep. It's a yep. money grab here in America. Yeah. Everybody's trying to have, make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I, I, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's how it's 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 how the society functions here, and there are a lot of different variables that uh, make make it so. I guess because you're right. I mean, the carriers do have a lot of control, 
yeah. here in the U.S. Uh, compared to elsewhere in the world where people use SIM cards, their their phones are unlocked and they can just top up whenever. Like, yeah. and and that was one of the things that I missed about Asia was that things were so like convenient, right? Yeah, like, you can just walk down to the store, you know, next door. It it'll be like, you know, a grandma just. You know, she just decided, okay, I'm just going to open a little small uh, store in front of my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the same thing with Thailand, too. Like, uh, the first foreign country that I visited uh, was Thailand, but the first foreign country that I stepped foot on uh, was Japan. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How was that like? Being in a country where it's like the technology is like ten years ahead of us, <laughs> it was it was it was definitely a very eye opening experience, you know. Just because all my life I've been in Tennessee, mm-hmm. like just have grown up in the Middle Tennessee area. I mean, in contrast to today, right? Like back then, it was a little bit more suburban, a little bit more rural mm-hmm. than it is now. So, you know. And then coming to Japan, you know, I stepped off the plane. Uh, Japan's climate is similar to ours. They got all four seasons. So it was winter there also. And the first thing I noticed was when we taxied, you know, onto the runway and then headed towards the gate is, like, how efficient the system was. Like, from the baggage handling to, like, the flight attendants and, and everybody else. Like, it's it just seemed like everybody had a sense of, like, taking their job seriously yeah. in, in Japan. And just, just the manners. Everybody was, like, really, really polite. And it was, it was also kind of weird, you know, seeing a bunch of Asian people everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> coming from America. Coming from America, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just like, damn, all these people like look like me. Like, what the hell? You know, it's like yeah. makes you, makes you feel like, okay, so this is probably what it's like to feel like in the majority. Yeah, yeah. You're like you're in the majority. It's almost like you're in a different country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and and another funny thing is like. So I had to use the bathroom. Um, this is when I was walking uh, up towards, you know, the, the um, they had like the international arrivals. They had the, um, the the I think the connecting flights, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I went to the connecting flights because my next flight was going to be to Thailand, which is you know about six seven hour flight from Japan itself. Mm-hmm. So it tells you the distance between. Japan and Thailand, kind of, I thought, uh, because I was thinking, like, you know, from Nashville to L.A., it's, like, five hours. Yeah. And, like, from Japan to Thailand and Laos, it's, like, six or seven hours. So you, the distance between them is probably, like, a little bit further than California yeah, and yeah. us. So I, that was one of the things I thought about. And um, I was very excited. Um, I, I could smell ramen and, like... <laughs> Tempura, bro. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. Did you try some of the street food at the street uh, vendors? I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. How was that? I did. It was. It was good. 
Um, I think it was the first time I had. Uh, it's it's a karaoke. I don't I don't know karaoke and um, look at me like I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know I hey hey you you know all the good spots in Nashville though I do. like all the good eating spots yeah, like and it's not just American it's everything else so. We, uh, we have a yeah, I did expect variety. you to know yeah. <laughs> what karaoke was. Yeah, it may just be a Japan Japanese thing only. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been to so many restaurants here. I was like, I never heard of that in particular. I think the way to describe it, I guess, is kind of like a Japanese hash brown. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and you know, it's got the Asian taste, you know, in it in it too. So and you know, it's got. I think it's made entirely of chickpeas, maybe. Oh, chickpea hash brown. Yeah, yeah, okay. on the inside. So way to be healthy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but it was good. It was good, and I think it was like uh, teppanyaki or whatever. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's like the balls or yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first time Those I had that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, how was it like in comparison in Japan alone between Japan and America? Obviously, the um, the movies, the TV shows, and people on YouTube can only set a certain yeah image of it. Right like from your experience, like how was the culture like? You know, you said the people there were a lot nicer as far as mannerisms. Yeah, how yeah. how clean was it? Yeah, you know, how was how was just a flow of life in Japan? And you know, however long you've experienced it, how was that like in comparison to like you know America? In America, it's kind of like a free for all. Yeah, um, if you if you. You know, driving on the highway up here, it was like a free for all. It was like, yeah, you know, everyone, so true. Everyone yeah. there just doing whatever the fuck they want, driving yeah. whatever speed limit. You know, how was yeah. it like over there in comparison to here? Well, it's uh, one of the obvious things, right? Is that uh, the society's homogeneous, mm-hmm. whereas you know, it's it's most of the population is the same ethnic group or same ethnicity, mm-hmm. so. There is more of a, I guess, uh, an organic, you know, national consciousness yeah, yeah. among the people there, and uh, whereas in America it's more diverse, it's more, yeah. more mixed, and we're we're a country that is founded on you know pioneers, settlers, people like coming to the shores and so forth, right? But. Uh, it was yeah it was it was really like their their manners and and the way that they took their job seriously um and everything was like much much more efficient and orderly and yeah. like so so convenient like so convenient yeah and i think they just they just think of convenience because i mean the lodging where i was at um in the in the bathroom it had like like something to like unfog the glass, like automatically for after you like you take a shower. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think and over there they they really they, love convenience. I guess when you have that much people, yeah, in it. it's not even like yeah a country like a big place like United States. That's Canada, right. Though Mexico is literally like and the size small of small islands, the size yeah. of Tennessee on water <laughs> with like. You know, eighty million people jam packed next to each other. Yeah, in the yeah. main city of Tokyo. So. Yeah, in in Tokyo. Yeah. yeah, just Tokyo. Um, it, I I felt like 
it was a dream come true because a, a lot of what you see in anime is is reflected is reflective of you know Japan yeah Japan so like you know I didn't feel like I got you know like ripped off you know like yeah. this wasn't like it you know the animes like it was it was it kind of was yeah and like from the food to everything else um the sights the sounds and uh it it was an experience that that changed me like just just going forward like forever so did you feel like a depression leaving japan like uh, for example, a lot of people yeah. dream of going to France, Paris. Yeah, and they go there and spend like you know however amount of time you want to spend there, and they leave. They feel like uh, this amount of depression. Like oh my god, I just saved up so much money to go to Paris, France, and mm-hmm. now back here, it's like oh my god, is that's it? Did you feel yeah. any type of way of that coming from Japan to I guess back in the United States after your trip was done? I. I did feel that a little because it 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 felt like okay, you know. I appreciate the things I have here in America, but but you know it it, it kind of made me feel like oh no you know I'm just going back to Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro yeah not even Tokyo yeah not even Tokyo <laughs> so that you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going back to Murfreesboro all right what do we have in Murfreesboro. We got Stones River Mall that's barely open, <laughs> you know, like most of the stores are closed. Yeah. And uh, would you say it'd be a different story if oh. you went back to like New York City, Manhattan? Yes, yes. Yeah. At at the time, at the time, I I would have appreciated an urban environment much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, um, but I think now, you know, maybe that. It's probably because I'm older. I'm crossing into 30. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that, you know, I, I want my space too. Yeah, yeah. I want like a bunch of land. Um, <clears throat> I told you about the time that, you know, I lost my job. I was driving Uber Eats for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I got to see a bunch of Nashville. And it was fun. I enjoyed doing it. Um, but I was annoyed. Maybe like 80% of the time. It gets very just, yeah, yeah. just people driving, how they can't drive, and then just, like, just the people on, on like, you know, on the trucks or whatever, just dancing. Oh, yeah, the and party trucks. The party <laughs> trucks and party buses. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, all right, this is kind of annoying. It gets so annoying. Even, like, yeah. for me, just, like, even me living, like, a smaller town in Murfreesboro but I live mm-hmm. like in the heart of everything yeah but traffic backs up it's, it takes hours just to go a mile <laughs> down the road yeah now even going to Nashville and like just going out there to eat and have fun and going to the bars yeah. up there like if you're stuck in traffic you're there for a long time because it just sure. doesn't move and people just don't know what they're doing not to mention yeah. there are so many people on the streets in Nashville just walking mm-hmm. and they don't really the scooters bro yeah. the scooters are annoying well, like people, right? I, I seen I seen people fall off them going like twenty miles an hour. I was like, "Oh, oh my god, man. how are you alive?" <laughs> but all that, like people in the scooters and people walking, just walk wherever they want. Yeah. So they just jaywalk everywhere. Like in New York, you know, you had you had to go by the signs because they have cameras right there at the um, the crosswalk. Yeah. So they can take your pictures if you're jaywalking or not. Yeah. Or whatever. 
in Nashville, it's a free for all. Like I said, <laughs> it's a free for all here in Nashville, Tennessee. It is. You just do it whatever is. the fuck you want. <laughs> and there'll be a security guy at the at the crosswalk, and he'll just stand there like it's nothing and let people fucking walk across. <laughs> yeah. And there'll be a green light turn signal for you to turn left right, yeah. into like a parking garage. Yeah. And people are still walking like, hey, what the fuck? Let me go in the garage. <laughs> this is very accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like anything goes. Yeah, anything like goes here. Around 5th and Broadway, anything goes. Yeah. So you went to the big city of Japan, all those. Like, Did you land in Tokyo? Yeah, I landed in Tokyo, landed at Narita Airport, okay. which is not the main airport, but yeah. it was still like a nice airport. Okay. So you went from the big city in Tokyo, we all see you on TV. Yeah. And then you fly to Thailand, That's which right. probably is 80%, you know, rainforest. Yeah. How was that like going from big city, one of the biggest cities, well-known cities in the world, to Thailand, yeah. where you know the jungle's still alive and well, the culture's all there, and yeah, how yeah. was that like? And what was, what was it like in Thailand for all of us who've never been? Sure, sure, uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, my my layover was a lot of fun. Uh, I you know I tried the karaoke and the teppanyaki. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier there, uh, I tried this thing. I mean, it was really just teriyaki salmon because I asked the lady, I'm just like, you have anything that's like traditionally Japanese that you recommend? And, uh, well, she chose the ter- teriyaki salmon. And I was like, well, I had this in America already. Yeah, but every day. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can make this in my house, bro. <laughs> yeah, for real. But anyway, I already, it, it was all right because it was very good. But yeah, it was a good layover. Uh, six, seven hours later, uh, I land in Thailand. And when the plane lands, or as the plane's landing, uh, you know, this is above Bangkok, the, the capital of Thailand, right? So, like, what I noticed was, like, some huge urban sprawl, like, everywhere. So it's kind of, like, reminiscent of L.A., where you just have the huge urban sprawl. Like, while you're, you're about to land at LAX, you just see all these streets, all these cars, all these buildings. It's kind of like Bangkok. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, Bangkok is a lot bigger than I thought it was, yeah, yeah. bro. It's not just trees and bamboo trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing, man. Yeah, that's the thing. Because, like, growing up, I mean, we always thought that it was, like, really poor yeah. back there, right? We, like, we, we all, were told that yeah. it was poor. We all thought right? that it was just straight third world country. Just Yeah. Literally just banana trees everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That's what, we, that's what I thought when I was younger. That, yeah, yeah. Like, banana trees, coconut trees, yeah, yeah. like, a bunch of strange-ass animals, you yeah, know? Yeah, And, like, yeah, I, I look around and I'm just like, dang, Bangkok's, Bangkok's really big, and... Uh, I mean, it sounds funny. Like Bangkok's really, big. <laughs> 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 but bro, that's what I thought. Yeah. And, uh, and and I land at the airport. You know, they call it Suvarnabhumi mm-hmm. International Airport. So I land there, and I think the airport is bigger than Chicago's O'Hare Airport. <laughs> that's a big airport too. I've been there. You're right. I get lost in that airport all the time. Hell yeah, like, dude! Going? It's like it's always confusing. Before you know, you had to get on the shuttle, the train, or whatever yeah, to the yeah. next part, and, and you're just a, like, "What the fuck? Where do I go?" The train to go to another part of the airport. Like, and if you go to the wrong part, you're like, <laughs> yeah, I gotta get it back on I the train, and go back, back around this fucking shit again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's it's about roughly the same size. I I would say as O'Hare, mm-hmm. but it I mean it doesn't have like the shuttle part. The architecture is like I guess you could just say like maybe 21st century modern yeah, architecture. Yeah. Um it was designed by I think a German German or a Swiss person and arguably the best people to design everything. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I noticed that from inside the plane, we parked at the gate, um, and as I got off the plane, it smelled like fish sauce, and it smelled like coconut, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm just like, so like, because like when we, were gro- when we were growing up, right, our parents would make us things like with fish sauce on it, right? We, we put it on almost everything. Yeah, on almost everything. Even on like, rice, on eggs. Like the soups we make. Yeah. Our seasoning yeah. isn't like salt and pepper. It's fish sauce. It's fish sauce, yeah. 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 Or even seasoning sauce. Yeah. Which is still like... I It'll get you the sour and salty yeah, uh, yeah. taste. Yeah. I, I guess an umami type of flavor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, yeah. So all of the airport in Thailand smells like fish sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is so stereotypical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It even says made in Thailand on the fish sauce bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you land and it fucking smells like yeah, yeah, yeah. like that, like the fish sauce. And yeah, you almost... Almost smell like home, huh? Yeah. It's like, shit, I'm back in my house again. Yeah, for real. And, and like, you know, we were just in Japan where it was cold. This was December of 2011. Yeah. So, uh, we were in Japan. It was cold. I had my coat on and everything. And when I stepped off the plane, bro, you know, like two weeks ago when it was, like, really hot as fuck here? Yeah, 110 every day. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, like that, but, like, Intense. more humid. Yes. Because you still have a jungle yes. around you. Yeah, it, like like all the tropical yeah. weather, yeah. Over there, they don't have, like, four seasons like we do. They That's have right. these two, right? The wet and dry season? Yeah, the wet and dry season, yeah. So it's either really hot and dry or really hot and wet. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. And, I mean, there's, it seems like there's no medium when it comes to the weather there. Mm-hmm. It's, like, hot all the, all the time. Do you have, like, a mm-hmm. consistent amount of mosquitoes burning you in Thailand? The first time, bro, uh, first trip, yes, dude, like a lot. Golly. It's like they were, they were attracted just like just to me because they just come after you, huh? Yeah, they just come after me. Like, oh yeah, this is fresh blood because like I'll be drinking with my cousins yeah. at night, like outside in the front yard or whatever, you know, because that's that's a, uh, I mean, families there tend to be a lot closer, family and friends, and they live near each other, right? So they just gather and, you know, maybe socialize, drink, have dinner or whatever. So we were doing that, you know, it was about maybe 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And, yeah, I was just sitting, you know, drinking with my cousins. And then uh, one of them noticed and tells me, like, hey, you got a lot of mosquitoes biting you. Uh, just try not to stay still. Like, just keep shaking your leg or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they'll just, they'll just go away. And, like, I looked down. And I had like maybe a dozen mosquito bites. They're so bad. I hate mosquitoes. Oh my gosh, bro. Have yeah. you seen the mosquitoes in Alaska? No. They're the size no. of my whole tie finger. Are you serious? That is huge, dude. They are big. Hell no. And they only live for one week in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. So anytime they see like somebody in Alaska just coming out of a car or I guess a snowmobile, they yeah. just tack. Just coming at you all at once, and they're just fucking. They're humongous, man. Damn. Are they big over there in, La- in Thailand? Yeah, they. I know. I know the big. bugs in Thailand are like fucking the size of my fist. <laughs> yeah. Like spiders coming out, like a foot long spider. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, like, 
you can find some food stalls that sell spiders, bro. Oh, yeah? To Did eat, you try any? To eat. Did you eat them? Yeah. Was it good? It tasted like, you know, kind of nutty, I guess. Yeah. Tasted like earth. Yeah. It did have earthy <laughs> taste. Tastes like straight fucking dirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there was some of that in the taste. And I, I, they had cockroaches, man. But I, I'm not going to eat a cockroach, bro. Yeah, me either. You know, like yeah, they yeah, sell uh, that, canned suckworms here. Have you had those? No. no. Little worms? They're no. not that bad. What, what were they? Like canned worms. Yeah. Like that, they're like suck worms where you can just, you know. Just, snack on them? Yeah, just like a little fried up. It's not that bad. Uh, so Very greasy. It reminds me of a place you took me to in Gatlinburg that had like, you know, the jerk, the different types of jerky yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, that like all the unique I remember types of I game. asked that guy, I was like, anything here that's like really good besides like, you know, the regular beef jerky, the yeah. bison and the elk. He was like, everything is pretty good. Just stay away from things that are in water. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Stay away from water. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Because I think over there, they also had, like, chocolate-covered scorpions and all that shit right there. Yeah. Too, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Some, some really different, you know, stuff. And, yeah, the mosquitoes were, like, on me. Like, I was fresh meat, to be honest. Yeah. And Got American flavor. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, and I was uh, sick maybe, I was sick maybe a day or two because of it. Because like, I had a fever because all these mosquitoes like were biting me. I guess different types of bacteria and parasites coming in. I hope not. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> but I, that's I, probably the case. Carry, like, yeah, that's probably. Diseases, right? Hopefully it wasn't malaria. Yeah. You're fine now, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was... I was afraid I was going to catch it and that yeah. and like, um, so, so like Thailand at that time, like if you want to compare the difference between Thailand and Laos and yeah. like for, for the listeners, the reason why those two countries is because both of our families uh, came from that part of the world from those two countries respectively. I mean, Elton has some Vietnamese ancestry, right? Supposedly yeah. I yeah. did a, um, one of those DNA tests. Mm-hmm. And it highlighted uh, Laos, Thai, southern border of China that connects to Laos mm-hmm. and Vietnam. And I just, I was like, okay, nice. I I'm, guess I'm all of Southeast Asia. <laughs> you know, I'm just everything. Yeah, yeah. I am the melting pot of Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah, you are. But yeah, yeah, we all, we all come from that part of the world. Yeah. You know? uh, it's, it's uh, our parents and, motherland so to speak i guess or ancestral land uh because i think our folks would declare themselves you know just american now right mm. like yeah i mean but any anytime someone asks me where i'm from i just say texas i <laughs> I, I declare myself american if someone yeah. asks my mom i think she still says she's from laos oh okay yeah, yeah. okay i think she still has that loud pride of like yeah, yeah. You know, this is where I came from, and this is, you know, my Which culture, is awesome, our culture yeah. of people. I think she still says that. Uh, in, awesome. in some sense, you know, she just say Tennessee. She's like, fuck it, Tennessee. Keep yeah. the conversation down, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I do know that sometimes when we go out together or for, like, dinner, she'll say, yeah, I'm from Laos, you know. And I think the majority of us, even though 
Even though I am a mixed Asian, I think everybody else just says that from Laos. Yeah. And just, you know, have the loud pride within. I just say I'm I'm everything. I'm I'm all of yeah. Asia, bro. <laughs> like no hate, you know. Yeah, man. We just we just we all everything. I mean, yeah. we all live in next to each other. Yeah. We all border each other. So it's yeah. gonna happen. It's funny because we in Laos in particular, we share cultural foods with almost everyone around us. Yep. Between yep. Vietnam, Thailand, China, Myanmar, is right mm-hmm. Laos, right? We all have like cultural foods that we all share. Even India. Yeah. You know, we have our own style of cooking, but you know, it all originated from neighboring countries. But I think Laos is more of the cultural diverse of the Southeast Asians. As far as yeah. like we take a little bit of every culture and, and add a little style of our own, but you know, it comes from all the other cultures, and we do have our own, you know, national foods and cultural foods that we make. But you know, in, if you go to like, I guess Myanmar, I think they kind of just stick with their stuff. Yeah, and I, you know, yeah. China definitely sticks with their stuff. I never had Chinese food before. You know what I'm saying? But you go to Laos, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of just a little bit of everything. You know? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I agree with that because it's. A smaller country is the only landlocked country, right, in yeah. Southeast Asia. So it's like really in the middle of all these countries that have like the the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. So and the population is only six million. So I mean, I guess you can compare it to kind of sort of like a Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. Is because Switzerland is landlocked too, yeah, yeah. and it's mountainous. Laos is mountainous and landlocked. So it, you know, I never realized that. Is it the Alps that go through, or is it the Himalayas? Through uh, Switzerland, Laos. Laos, Laos. Yeah, whatever fucking mountain range goes there. Um, I know the Himalayan. I think it's the it's close to the Himalayas okay. because, well, the Himalayas are they stretch into Myanmar. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Laos has like the it's called the the Annamite mountain yeah, yeah, chain. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I never realized there's a mountain range that goes through our country. Yeah. You want to know a cool yeah. fact about Laos and Vietnam? The uh, the world's deepest and largest cave is in between Laos and Vietnam to where you can fit the entire building of the Empire State Building inside there with room. Sheesh. It's that deep. Sheesh. That but is yeah. deep. You ever been there? Into that cavernous in, um, between Laos and Vietnam? Um... I think your dog's tearing up the room over there. I think so, too. I think I need... And we're back. So we were talking about, like, living, I guess your time living in Laos and Thailand. Mm-hmm. And the comparison between, like, Laos, Thailand, and Vietnam. And I think I, before you we didn't go tend your dog, we were talking about, like, the caverns in yeah. Laos and Th- Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, well, I I haven't been to those caverns specifically, but uh, I have been in that area of eastern Laos uh, that borders Vietnam mm-hmm. in the northeast part of Laos. Um, so uh, I went there by car, which, you know, from the capital of Laos, Vientiane, all the way up to northeast Laos, uh, to this province called uh, Vieng Sai. Mm-hmm. And Vieng Sai was where the base where, like, the Lao communists uh, formed their their movement, mm. 
and their insurgency was like was based there. But after the war, uh, it became like a re-education camp or mm-hmm. uh, a concentration camp for folks who had worked with America uh, during the the war when the Vietnam War was going on. It spilled over into Laos. So what drew me to that area was the the concentration camp because when the war ended in 1975, right, America withdrew, the communists came to power in Laos. Um, my grandfather was taken to one of those camps, and uh, my family, like my grandmother, my dad, his siblings didn't know where he was. They didn't know whether he was dead or alive. Um, but in actuality, he was in that concentration camp. Yeah. So, so what drew me was just to see where he was, uh, where he was being held. And I met one of the guards, uh, or he was a guard there at the time. And, I mean, at this point, he was very elderly. I mean, he's probably since passed. This was back in 2011, so 11 years ago. In Laos, so that's what drew me there. I just wanted to see what my grandfather went through. But you were talking about, you know, your grandfather being in the concentration camp. Yeah, and you got to go see it. Mm-hmm. Did you did you feel like that energy coming from that concentration camp? Kind of like I did. Yeah, you know, like yeah. If people go to like Auschwitz, yeah, you know, it's like you, you go there, you feel this energy of like, oh my god, this is uh, it doesn't feel good here. Did you feel that in that, that camp? I. Uh, I did. I did feel, you know, that type of energy where uh, my grandfather uh, he kept this journal. He wrote in it like every day, and I still have it. And he documented his life in there. And while he was doing that, at the same time, uh, his wife, his kids, you know, didn't didn't know if he was still living or not, and. So I imagined that scenario in my head like yeah. many times when I was standing there. Yeah. And just like picturing what he went through because in that journal it said like they beat people. Yeah. And they buried people alive. And I, I think there's among the people who did survive and did make it to the States, I mean, they said that they killed the last king of Laos yeah. there and buried him alive and... Uh, yeah, so war is pretty brutal, right? Yeah. And, it's, and it's one of those places where there's not really that much documents of it going on around, right? That's right, yeah. You, know, you hear, you know, in Nazi Germany, when they had their concentration camps, you, you see it. People take photos, yeah. you know, build document it, but, you know, try and kind of share some light on it. A lot of other places do have concentration camps where That's right. you don't ever get to see it on the news or in documents yeah. or even photos of it. You just hear the stories. That's right. You know, even like you telling me, it's like, oh my God, like I've never seen pictures yeah. of it, but I know it happened. That's right. You know, yeah. You know, just shed some light on all of it. Like it does still happen too to this day, even with like China, mm-hmm. with the, uh, the Uyghur Muslims. Yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. the Uyghur Muslims. Right, uh, right. Even today, we don't even get to see like photos of that. <clears throat> And uh, yeah, it still does happen. People just don't realize it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And it's uh, sadly, it's it's quite common, yeah. I guess, and especially among like the countries that are, uh, I guess, have, have a dictator. Yeah, you know, there's a 
the majority of the corrupt countries do have it. Yeah, and you know you're just you're just never gonna see it. Yep, yep. Even uh, I was re- I was watching a documentary on North Korea, where they would send people from North Korea to certain parts of China mm-hmm. to um you know to be a concentr- concentration camp just to like labor work for nonsense. And it's still happening today. It's just no one ever documents it, except for that one time. Yeah. But that's yeah. it. So, you know. That's right. Uh, I mean, a, a, lot of th- a lot of the time, uh, I, I would say the world, you know, not just America, is, is kind of guilty at, you know, turning a blind eye to these type of things. Yeah. And we are more wrapped up in pop culture more so than than things like this, right? Well, you know, I really so. hate how our news kind of just shows nonsense. Yeah. Especially in today's time, it's just nonsense. Yeah. Like, you know, it's all about the ratings. Yeah. It's it's not about what's true yeah. anymore. It's what it kind of kind of like um hot topic words where it's yeah. just like, well, can we get more people to get clicks and views and what, you know? Mhm. What's the big news today that we can get people to like listen up to? You know, like yeah, yeah. Big news for a long time was you know still is the Ukraine and Russian war. Yeah, but people never you know have news on the Yemen bombings that are still probably happening or any other bombings. And That's right. That are still happening. It's just like I agree. You know, they they pick and choose to skip the actual news. Not yeah. saying Ukraine and Russian war is not news at all, but there are also other news that people other should, other conflicts yeah. other. There's there's people dying in yeah, other places yeah, too. Yeah. There's and, a lot more yeah. happening to the world than just you know Eastern Europe. Yes, Middle yes, East. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, even you know certain parts of like even one one thing that really bothers me was the uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell trials. Oh gosh, yeah. Like imagine a, a two people having you know human trafficking, and it just goes away in a month. That news just goes away. Nothing happens, right? Yeah. But like that that should be number one news every fucking day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They they just pick and choose what they want to be on the news Big and facts. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It gets annoying because like I wanna know more about it. Like I wanna know who actually went there. I want I wanna see that, that list yeah. of people on their flight. Yeah. I wanna know like all the big well. Allegedly, all the big people that in America and all over the world are going over there. I want to know that. Yeah. Put them on trial, too. Ask them Hell questions. Yeah. Shouldn't just, you know, shouldn't be just be the news media picking and choosing whoever right. they want to, you know, talk about. It should be everything. News should be news. Yes, it should and be news. And news shouldn't be opinionated. It should just be factual news that's actually happening. That's right. And it, it is a big problem it is a big problem that we have is the news is getting too opinionated these days um, from either side, right? Yeah. It's it's just too opinionated. And these powerful people, they, they can get away with a lot of things, right? So maybe they can manipulate the media and so forth. Like Epstein and his wife um, was, it, it was kind of shady because, you know, Bill Clinton flew to Jeffrey Epstein's island. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> and then you also had, like, you know, one of the British princes. I feel that any other person, ordinary person, would have gotten in trouble 
from from that like a long like much sooner yeah uh, than they did and i feel it's unfair that people who are influential uh continue to get away with with things that regular people can't get away with yeah and especially like a heinous crime like that yeah it's i, I it, it's a terrible crime like i was watching i think it was on netflix the netflix documentary uh about that and uh, or about Epstein and bro i was disgusted yeah by what he did like it made me feel like i wanted to like do the the death sentence myself yeah but um because of, of a piece of shit he was and not only that you had uh one of queen elizabeth's sons like just go there and it was proven that he went there it was proven what he did and this guy is in line, you know, in the line of succession to become king of England if, you know, certain members of his family are, are unable to secede, like, right? It's funny because everyone so, denies it, all the people who yeah, are. Yeah, they know, deny it. That's yeah. right. And there's, or, like, so many witnesses on there. Yeah, and it's like, you heard of the Harvey Weinstein dude, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, Do you really want to talk about the ugliest guy on earth? I don't know, right? That's why I was laughing. I know, because I, I dude is ugly as fuck. I know, I don't ever like. I don't like the ugly shame, but God, I got that guy deserves. Dude, he's every ugly as hell. <laughs> yeah, like his face is lumpy. Like he looks like a gremlin or some yeah. shit. Like yeah. one of the horrible people in all of Hollywood is him. Yeah, yeah, and and people like he was he was in the same circles as you know Hillary Clinton. You yeah. know, and like all these influential politicians and so forth, and he built a lot of people's careers in Hollywood. A lot of people in Hollywood like respected him, and mm-hmm. they knew this stuff was going on, but they still kept quiet about it. Yeah. You know, after so many years, which is a shame. Yeah. What, what podcast? The Jerry Rockin podcast or Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, Tarantino goes on about like, and don't quote me on this. That's right. You're right. And Tarantino. he goes on like, if he if Tarantino knew exactly, he yep. would done something but even then like Tarantino's a very uh, big director himself and it goes to show like even the big people in Hollywood don't even yeah. know it's just a really small circle that kind of just hush hush type of shit yeah yeah but yeah I mean I feel mine saying arguably the ugliest dude I've ever seen okay <laughs> You, you can say that to dudes because it's just like hey man it's Harvey Weinstein man dude, he's, ugly. he's hella ugly yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that's the first thing I thought when I saw this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. This dude is ugly as fuck. Yeah. It was almost like that's a gatekeeper to become the big one. And you, yeah. you if you've seen the list of like everyone he sexually harassed, it's like holy shit. There's some big names out there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I just feel yeah. It's I mean I feel like a deep sense of like sadness and and you know sorrow for for. Those women that had to go through that, yeah, for and, and like the victims of Epstein, the victims of Harvey Weinstein, uh, like when you listen to them describing their stories, it's like very powerful, yeah, and you feel for them, and it's it, and then you feel like how unfair the world is because they don't, you know, it seems like. 
it seems like there's no justice out yeah. there these days, you know, for people like us. And, um, I mean, we're just coming out of a pandemic, you know, but we're dealing with economic problems. We're dealing with social problems. We're dealing with a lot of problems. Yeah. And out the gate, it, too. It seems like it seems like there's no. Yeah. Right out the gate. Like you said, it seems like there's no end in sight. And, and, and for us, our generation, like in our early 20s, mid 20s, you know, we're, we're still young. We're still up and coming like. I would say it's more tumultuous times than um, when our parents uh, went through when they were in their 20s. But it, it was different in the sense that, I mean, your your mom had to go through refugee camps. Mm-hmm. She was like, she was like dirt poor. Um, she also was exposed to like all this stuff going on during the war, right? But once they were able to settle in America and so forth, everything was fine after that. Yeah. But us, like, we're, we we had to deal with COVID. We had to deal with inflation. We have to deal with people just identifying themselves only as who they voted for in the last election. So we had to deal with, like, all of these problems. You know, people can't get along. The, um, and the separation this, and the division in politics is... Crazy. Yeah. I remember before, you know, in my elementary school years where even if you voted Republican or Democratic, yeah. you know, you were still friends. We could still shake hands and, you know, come to the cookout and still conversate normally without an argument or things getting heated. That's and right. It feels like now being, and even being, I, I'm a central, centralist. Yeah. So I yeah. have political views in both left and right. Yeah. I'm I'm almost situational. Cause like, it depends on the situation. Yeah. It's I'll, like an yeah. independent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even if I say that being independent or central or right in the middle, yeah. people will either just push me to the far right or far left. Yeah. There's yeah. no in between, but I, right. I think those who are on the far right and far right are just um so the division in politics is crazy in America. You know, I think I think it kind of came from like the Trump era, yeah, where it's kind of started. And I think for news broadcasters, that was like the biggest thing because they were like, "Oh my god, they can get eyes and ears on their sites." Now with him gone, it's kind of like news broadcasters have nothing to talk about, but the division still stands clear that no matter what you pick, whatever's you know left or right, even even in between. People still come after you no matter what. Yep. And it really sucks because, you know, back then it did, it was not like this. Yeah. And I don't I don't get how we come back from that. Because it's so polarizing and everyone's you know, everybody wants to be part of a group and a tribe. And once they're there it's the end all and be all, you know, this is my this is my group. We're better That's than you right. and you guys suck, this type of shit. Yeah. You know, I and I kinda wanna bring up, you know, how the politics here in America are in comparison to politics in the countries you visited. You know, you visited both first world and third world countries. Mm-hmm. How is it over there in comparison to over here? Now, over here, it's very everyone knows the politics here. The yeah. world knows it. All the people that don't know it is North, North Korea. So how is it in Japan? Japan is a very democratic country. Yeah. They... They have like a 
I believe, which is a, a parliamentary type system where they have a prime minister mm-hmm. that leads the government, but they also have the emperor still. Oh, they do? Yeah. And, is uh, it kind of like what England has done? Yes. The queen and parliament? That's, that's right. Okay. That's right, with the queen and the parliament. It's, uh, it's quite similar. It's, it's kind of similar to the UK, okay. in a sense. And um, they're very democratic. Uh, you have a lot of leaders, a lot of prime ministers throughout the years that have come from different parties, different political parties. And when it comes time to resolve like a national issue, whether it be infrastructure or maybe it's like a tax reform or something that needs to get done to, to remedy whatever situation it is, um, Japan gets it done much more efficiently yeah. and a lot more faster kind than the like, U.S. In a sense, those groups of people in parliament kind of disagree faster yeah. to get things done if there's that's, a problem or challenge ahead of them. That's right. Where in America, you know, the problem in America can be right there, but there's two sides arguing about the problem. That's right. Kind of like America, politicians don't care if the house is on fire. Yeah. They care about who's in charge of the ashes. That's right. If things already burnt down, there's nothing left. But who's in charge of the ashes on the ground? Yeah. Kind of like how, they, how I feel America's feeling about it. Yep, yeah. That's, I, I, I agree. And it's, it's a huge problem where everything is much more, much more partisan these days. We, and as you mentioned earlier, like, we, we can't even have, like, a, a critical discussion about things in our country anymore with somebody who disagrees with us because we're just going to shut them out or the person's just going to shut them out. Oh, wait a minute. You're conservative. Okay. We're going to shut you out where you're, you're liberal. Okay. We're not going to listen to you. And, um, it, it, it has occurred in recent years because it, it, it empowers people with radical ideas, uh, to be able to come out of the woodwork and, and express those ideas. And then, in turn, you have uh, we're we're in this political discussion because uh, Elton knows me as as the cousin who who has an interest in politics. But I found Elton to be very engaged in politics, you know, growing up, or at least yeah. or at least like have the awareness, some sort of a civil awareness of well, what, how things are. How it's things always, are. Yeah, it's always been interesting to see politics in America. Yeah, because like I said, it's. It's all polarizing just to see two sides of, of people going against each other, but never really coming down to the middle of agreeing yeah. on what to do, what needs to be done to face the challenges of America. Yeah. You know, you, you went to college for political science? Uh, international relations. Okay. It was in political science department. What, what is political science? Is that like Anthony Fauci? Is that political science? Is that <laughs> it, what it is? <laughs> It's politics and science. <laughs> Shoot. If, if I made Fauci money, then that'd be awesome. You know, he's the, but, most, he's the highest paid person in the government of, as a government official. I, I bet. Yeah. He because gets, He gets paid more than the president. <laughs> because they, they trust his response, right? Yeah. Like when the pandemic was going on, there were a lot of governments that, that trusted uh, yeah. what, what he was telling. Yeah. But tell me, what's, what's political science? Or what's, what was your major, actually? And kind of go into detail, like, what you did with that major. 
Sure, sure. Well, because uh, I have no idea what political science is besides <laughs> Fauci. Yeah, <laughs> uh, political science is uh, is just the study of politics and and how it works in the United States, mm-hmm. like um, the research behind, I guess, what goes into a political campaign, uh, political campaign strategy tactics. Yeah. Um, and you know, you learn how to, to launch those campaigns. Uh, you also learn how to appeal to people, to voters. Um, you generally, uh, learn about how the United States government operates its three branches and how they operate Mm -hmm. and so forth and, and the role they play in our society. Um, and then you also learn about, uh, politics in America overall, which is pretty decentralized because um, you asked me about uh, how, how it is in Thailand and Laos. Um, Thailand has a king, so kind of like the UK and Japan. So they have a monarchy, just like those countries. Laos is straight up communist, bro. Straight communist. <laughs> straight up communist. Straight One red. political party, yeah. like which is the communist party. Yeah. And they have, like, almost all the seats in, you know, the National Assembly, which is what they call it. Like, that's their Congress. It's, um, it's basically all, all them in the seats. Yes. It's all, basically it's com- all, all communists, communists yeah, in the there's, seats. There's no one with, uh, with a, you know, opposing opinion or idea. Yes. It's all the same idea. It's all the same idea. They make it look democratical, the, democratic, but it's just all yeah, the same people. Yeah. And if you try to go against the party, I mean... Some bad stuff's going to happen yeah. to you. It's almost like China, what China did with Jack Ma. Yep. Where Jack yep. Ma went, kind of told some shit to the government, and yeah. he, he, got, uh, he, he got sent somewhere and came back as a full-fledged uh, CCP guy now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. It's those re-education camps. And those you know, are... it's funny, because I'll bring this up. And just something that I brought up in a previous episode, I'm bringing up again. We come from, our family comes from a communist country yeah. to a free America. Yeah. And people still think America sucks. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. We do have our problems. And every country has problems. Every country faces challenges and problems. It, it's, it's a given. That's right. But just remember, I can come on this podcast and talk about it. If I do it somewhere else, like in communist China... I might get sent to jail. Yep, we have freedoms yep. here. We do have some freedoms here. Yeah, and yeah, it, we it, do. It, it, it provides us a sense of security. But for the people who haven't traveled, like you, well, not like you, but people who haven't traveled all around the world, and you have, you get to see the difference in American culture, what we have, and what they have, and what they don't have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's cool to have that perspective and. See it firsthand yeah. and experience it because I, I mean we talked about political science and and what goes into studying political science and so we we study how the government works here uh, so like here it's decentralized right as I said before so like the Department of Education is not responsible for education in Rutherford County. The Rutherford County School Board of Education is re- responsible for that. Yeah. So you know the levels of everything. Yes. A yes. lot of people want to blame, like, one person for everything. That is right. But there's levels to these things that, yeah. you know, other high head of the go- political government lets the lower guys handle. Yeah. They don't handle everything. 
That's right. But, yeah. you know, the school board handles the schools. Yeah. You know, the city handles the city. The yeah. county handles yeah. the county. And the senator kind of just looks, oversees everything, but he doesn't micromanage all. That's right. Kind of like right. that. Kind of like that, yeah, yes. Because yeah. in Thailand and Laos, you have the, the folks in the capital dictate everything that you learn. Mm-hmm. Because in, in Thailand, you're, you're going you're gonna to learn about the king regardless and his lineage and his dynasty and it's it's dictated by the the folks in Bangkok. Yeah. Um, in Laos, you're gonna learn you're gonna learn about the party, the Communist Party, the revolution, the war. Communist like, Laos. Yeah. Yeah. Laos is super communist. People don't know. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, I think some people are surprised that Laos is communist. Yeah. Because like the our culture or the Lao culture, right, is like so passive. Yeah. And like Lao people are so like easygoing, yeah. and it's it's kind of hard to believe that it's a communist country. Yeah, yeah. Because I think when we when we see think of communist, we think of like Russia. We think of mainly China as being a communist country. Yeah, but like Laos people are very like so easy, free going. Kind of. Yeah. Most of them just you know do do what they will in the woods and shit. Yeah. It's kind of like you know. How we got we got we got our Mexican friends, our yeah. Hispanic friends, yeah. and like how their culture is like, you know, fun loving, mm-hmm. family oriented culture and very easygoing. And like, I think if you were to go to like a Laotian cookout or a Mexican cookout, you'd probably see a lot of similarities. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I believe <laughs> like so how too. they get lit and start yeah, dancing yeah, yeah, yeah. and so forth. Like we're, we're kind of we're actually very similar yes. in every way possible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, like, you know, some parts of Mexico, right? Like, they eat steamed rice, like white rice, like yeah. we do. Like daily. Yeah. It's like, it's like, especially with the Latin culture, like, it, it's rice with every meal. Yeah. And, you know, their cookouts are kind of the same as our cookouts. Yeah. And, you know. Smoke some meat, grill some meat. Yeah. You know, ha- have it with, I mean, because they got, like, the tomatilla sauce and yeah, they yeah. got all these kind of sauces. And, and yeah. we do, too. And yeah. we both use, like, a lot of lime. Yeah. In our dishes you know, as well. You know, thinking yeah. about it now, it's like, yeah, well, our culture is very similar. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. I, yeah. I actually didn't think about that till now. Yeah. 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 You, you introduced us to this Colombian place a while back. Uh, oh, the place that like fills up the plate with food? Yes, yeah. dude. Oh, my gosh. You don't know how much I've been thinking and of that place. And they have like, I think they gave us like five different sauces just to bring in with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's and so good, bro. Yes, yes, it was so good. And, like, one of the things that I remember is they brought us, like, some steamed rice. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think we, we took a bite out of it. We were just like, this is good rice. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like what we eat because we eat just we grill barbecue and rice. They yeah. just eat same thing. Yes. They grill they it and eat rice. <laughs> and they have the salsa and sauces that yeah. use with it. It's like, oh, this is what we do at home. Shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Eating at home. Because they'd be marinating with their own stuff, their own tribes. We're diverse with that, you know, Laos, because, like I said, our cultural, our food that we eat is just a little bit of everything from everywhere, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's. Even like, if you think about it, in parts of Africa, I think they eat uh, a dish called fufu, Mm -hmm. where it's like our sticky rice, but I think they use yams. Where they kind oh of, gosh, they get it yeah. nice and sticky. That sounds fire, And bro. then they'll, they'll dip it in whatever they want to eat. 
we do the same thing, you know. We'll make something and we'll get the uh, our sticky rice. We'll kind of just, you know, move it around our hands yeah. and get it nice and sticky. And then we'll just dip and whatever. There's a similarity to that. <laughs> there, there is. You know, we use rice. I didn't know that. Yeah, we use rice, that. our sticky rice, and they use fufu, which I think is yams or something along the lines of that type of stuff. But it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It is. I learned I learned something new. Yeah. I've actually That's been it. looking around Nashville for a place that sells fufu. Oh, really? Yeah, because I want to try it. Shit. You know, it's crazy that because sounds, yeah. it... Uh, I, I I like to make um, tacos, but I'll use uh, our traditional Lao dishes, mm-hmm. and I'll get, like, corn tortillas and eat, make a taco with that. Yeah. Like, we have a dish called lab. Oh, my gosh. And I'll get you the lab. tacos? Yeah, because we use a lot of lime, but lab, too. Yes, And cilantro, yes. so I'll get the lime, cilantro, and I'll get some of, uh, I'll either get, like, our jow, which mm-hmm. is, like, our type of salsa, and I'll just put it on to eat it like uh, a taco. You know what I'm saying, dude? That sounds busting. I like real. that shit. I like just you know mixing around, you know, yeah, with just all of that fusion. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. That's that's what's up. So if if I can find a place here in Nashville that sells fufu, or if I can learn how to make fufu, I'll I'll, I'll make it, dude. Because it's like basically sticky rice with yams. Yeah, like damn. Because you know yams can get you you depend how I don't I don't know exactly how to make it, but and I don't know if it is yams or a yaka root or yuca root or whatever or something along the lines of that. Yeah. You know, it's a type of starch. I know that, but you know, they just they just knead it with their hands, and you know, kind of like do what we do. We need to stick it right with our hands, and we just yeah, up, we'll pick up meat or you know whatever dish it is with that with our thumb and eat all at the same yeah, time. They do yeah. the same thing we do. Nice, you know, that's that's tight. Yeah, and and it's like it's our staple too. It's the the sticky rice. Yeah, is uh, I think that's what we are mainly known for. Is yeah, the it's the rice. sticky yeah. rice. Yeah. I remember um, Obama went to, did he go to, go to Laos? Yeah, he went to Laos. Time. Yeah, I think yeah. he was the first president to ever go to Laos. To ever go to Laos. Yeah, he, 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 he tried the sticky rice. He put, I think he ate sticky rice with everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like, it's sweet too. It's got a sweetness to it. Yeah. And it's it's got an appeal because it's like our, sort of like, you know, uh, Westerners, you know, Americans, we, we eat bread. Right, bread and, potatoes. Lot, bread and potatoes. That's like yeah. our bread and potatoes is yeah, the yeah. sticky rice, and dude, the lob tacos, man. Oh dude, my gosh! If your wife makes lob, just get like go to like Kroger or the store. Get like corn tortillas. The corn and, tortillas are best yeah. too. And just you know, like I said, it's the same thing like you would do with a regular taco. You know, get yeah. get your ingredients. You know, just zest it with some uh, lime. Put some cilantro and get some. You can either use uh, traditional Mexican style salsa, or you can just get like you can make jowl. Jowl is a little strong, you know, in in a large amount. But you put some jowl, sprinkle some jowl in it, and that's basically what it is. You know, I love Hell it. Yeah. I eat all the time. Every time, like I have a lot, I'm like, okay, somebody could bring on the corner. <laughs> nice, nice. And I guess some context, uh, lop is yeah. is like a. Uh, you can have beef, pork, or chicken. It's like a sort yeah. of like a salad. Even cow tongue. Yeah, yeah. cow tongue too. So you can make almost like a in tacos, you know, lingua. Me, me, yeah, lingua. Yeah. Yeah, you can get you know cow tongue and put it on there. It's also very good too. It's yeah, we yeah. That's the similarity right there. It's, we both what, eat cow tongue. You know what the similarity is too, and I, I like to go into this because I love food, I especially love you know Mexican dishes. Is um, 
the menudo, yeah, yeah. which is uh, the stomach lining. Mm-hmm. We also use that on lab too. Yeah. So you almost get like it's the same similarities. Yeah, yeah. This like English is it is it tripe? Is that what it? Yeah, is? tripe. It's tripe. I think yeah. it's tripe. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, I think it's called tripe. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that. I just know, you know, yeah. in the Spanish language, menudo. Yep, yep. And then I, I know and, what it is. We Laos. use it in Lao yeah, yeah, also, yeah. yeah. So it's just like, okay, it's just, I think it's called tripe. But yeah, yeah. that's good too. And it seems like they like, you know, different flavors at the same time like we do, like sweet, salty, sour. Yeah, they almost and, have almost every, spicy like, umami yeah. flavor, you know. Yeah. Things are salty, things are a little sweet. When you make the Mexican street corn, you know, that's sweet, salty, and spicy, whatever you want with it. I think it's just a a, a collaboration of all these flavors they just want to have all at once. And we do mm-hmm. the same as well because, you know, yeah. when, we make, when we make food, it's just like, okay, is it salty? Is it spicy? Is it kind of sweet? What, what, okay, is, it, is it savory? We, we kind of just want everything yeah. in that one bite. And they do as well. Yep, yep. But it's pretty neat. It is, it is. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, going from country to country, going from politics to politics, now we're back home. I want to ask you, since, you know, we're, we're born relatively at the same time, and we're both first-generation Amer- Asian-Americans. Yep, yep. What are some, uh, do you have any, like, pressure as an Asian-American as far as, like, you know, Feeling the pressures of like, okay, I need to do this and I need to go there. I need to, you know, pressures like I have to go to college. Not like, yeah. not like I want to, but like I have to go to college. You have to succeed. Is there any pressure of that that you feel? Most, most definitely. I have felt it since childhood. Yeah. It's something that my parents have stressed to me is to, to go to college. Yeah. And I... And and it it does feel like a duty that like you have to yeah. you know do certain things, and it's because I think we have to sort of like validate the sacrifices yeah, yeah. our parents took to come here, and much of what they've been through, um, I guess sort of like uh, humbled them, mm-hmm. like just. Because they 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 lost they they went from having nothing to having something and then losing it all over again and then going through refugee camps and then having to start from scratch again like over here and so like I mean I feel like they see things we we don't see right <clears throat> but at the same time there is this pressure um, you always feel like it's a competition. Uh, you always feel like the happiness factor is not important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then you feel like, okay, you know, I'm not just a robot to just like listen to you for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, there is like that rebellious nature in myself. Yeah. And I and we we had it growing up too. I mean us and 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 Cohen yeah, and yeah. Bobby, yeah, all four of us, <laughs> all four of us, <laughs> and in the sense that we just wanted a regular, we just wanted to grow up, you know, just like every other American kid. Yeah, yeah. And, but 
but in the background, we always had this pressure that felt like it was a competition. Yeah. When I, f- I feel like, you know, in hindsight, as we're getting older, I feel like, you know, our happiness should have been considered a lot more. Our mental health should have been considered a lot more. I yeah. felt like it shouldn't have been like a competition. Like this, okay, you know, so-and-so's kid, you know, they're, they're a doctor, so-and-so's kid, you know, finished this and that. I, I hate it when that happens because... Yeah, the comparison between <clears throat> another person is like, oh, my God, I had to, like, compete and not eat. I, I had to either be a, a better doctor or even bigger doctor. I got to yeah. be the next Anthony Fauci. I got to, you know, be the big head honcho, you know? Yes, it's just yes, like, oh for my sure. God. Like, it's like, oh, my God, you can compare me to Elon Musk. But, like, okay, I got to, instead of having yep. a quarter billion dollars, I got to have, you know, a quarter trillion dollars. I got to... You know, do this and that. It's like, oh my god! You yeah, know, high expectations. High expectations. You know, in a sense, probably because they yeah. feel it's fragile. Yeah. Right. I mean, like just like them. Yeah. Back in their home countries, like they lost everything, like all of a sudden, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's that. I think almost sounds like they want a good foundation, stability, and I don't think it comes from a bad place. Yeah. I think deep down, you know, I agree. Most. Immigrant parents want the kids to succeed and have a good life and not worry because in For you sure. know they come from like, like you said at the time it was a war torn country you know I think Vietnam exaggerated all of it and they came here you know mm-hmm. with nothing you know that the currency of Laos is not even worth anything in America yeah so even if you even if you are a millionaire in Laos, you're only a hundred dollars here in in America. Yeah, you yeah, know? you're like a thousand there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just like they just want a good foundation, and you know something I've always told myself too was I had to shoot for the stars as a kid. Yeah, you know, in a sense, like if I shoot for the stars and I I don't make it to the stars, maybe I make it to the stratosphere. Maybe I make it to the ozone later. Maybe I just yeah. make it to the moon. But at that's, least I have high goals. At, you know? at least I have high goals. Rather than if I shoot for the ceiling of my bedroom, well, that's a, I put a ceiling over me. <laughs> if I shoot for the stars, it was just like, oh, I have. I can go all the way. You know yeah. what I mean? And I had the possibility to go all the way. And you know, being a first-generation Asian-American as myself, was like, I've also had that pressure as far as like, am I doing enough to succeed? Into the, the views of others, and I've always asked myself, like, what is success? Is that financial? Mm-hmm. Is that financial wealth? Is that having a family? Mm-hmm. Is that just being independent, or is that just you know providing you know everything for everybody? It kind of depends how you see uh, success. Your yeah. dog is going wild down here, <laughs> boy. He just wants to play, but yeah. um, you know, I've always you know thought of okay, success for me is. Is being happy, being independent, and not worrying about, you know, too many bills, you know. Bills are going to be there. They're going to be there always, but yep. you don't have to worry about them if you're financially well, okay. And being happy is also a big factor. It's like, okay, For sure. my success is also based on my happiness and everything. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I view, you know, success here for me. And, you know, many, many others aren't there yet to view aren't there yet in the sense of like what what should I do as a first generation Asian American, you know right. what I'm saying? Some of them are like, okay, I gotta make a million dollars. Yeah. That's my first thing. Yeah. But what are you, what are you gonna do after that? What's your goal after you make a million? Make right. two? Make three? 
Yeah. So for me, you know, it's just like, okay, my pressure in America is just to be happy and happy where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, yeah, you know, and going back to what you all said, it's like, <laughs> not, not a lot of people realize, you know, first generation anything from an immigrant parent, like, there's a lot of pressure just to be great. There is. You know, yeah. and a lot of uh, immigrant parents will compare you to anything, everyone out there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. You know, like, growing up, it was like, why aren't you, you want to be a doctor? You want to be a lawyer? Yeah. My, my big one was, you want to be a CEO? Yeah. I was like, well, shit. <laughs> How do you become a CEO? Yeah. They don't, do they teach that in school? Right, right. They don't. They don't teach you entrepreneurship in school. So being a CEO also means you have to find your own path and you follow your own way. And a lot of times, you know, you're not going to be a CEO by going to college and doing this. You're not going to be an owner of a big company. You're not going to be an owner of anything just by going to college. And I yeah. also have a problem with college today. Yeah. Uh, oh. Is your puppy okay? Yeah. <laughs> He's having fun down here with yes, me. Yes, Playing with the toys. If, if you uh, take, uh, take it out of his mouth. It's like, in my hold- hand. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I think he's just eating my hand right now. If you, if you tell him to... Uh, down and then sit Down. and listen to you. Sit. Actually, just relax. <laughs> My problem with our educational system here in America, and I know I'm, I'm jumping subject to subject, but it's just no what worries. I do, guys. It's yeah. just what I do. Um, they don't teach us how to be business owners. They don't teach us how nor, to be. Nor plan financially for the yeah, future, yeah. too. So you've like, been through all of the college system, right? You yeah. went from the two years, four years, and did you go for your master's? No. Okay. No. But you still went through the four-year yeah. university. Yeah, four year university. The yeah. Did they teach you financially how to do this, how to be financially stable? Did they teach you no. taxes? Taxes is a big one, especially you know for someone like me. Once you once you get into a higher tax bracket, yeah. it's like fuck, man. They take a lot. Yeah. Did they teach you that? Did they teach you in school in in public school? Did they teach you that? Did it teach you anything to be independent other than to be just a regular employee? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, we, what, what are they actually teaching us? Are they yeah. teaching us to be workers or are they teaching us to be, you know, business leaders? That's right. That's right. You bring up a good point because I think that we were taught to just be employees and work for somebody else, yes. sadly. Yeah. That is the problem in this, in this country. And we talked about education earlier. You have, you know, school boards, you know, that are in charge of local education at the county level and so forth, Laos and and Thailand respectively. Um, Their central government dictates whatever we learn. Um, But I I think we as a country uh, need to, especially if we're the country that that is an example for the world in terms of, you know, a, fr- a free and open economy, a good economy. We're like the capitalist country, mm-hmm. so we should teach in schools, you know, entrepreneurship, yes. uh, personal finance. Because I didn't learn those things. I wasn't taught those things. And even if and, you were, you only get like two months of it. Yeah, I mean, like, and and we, I didn't learn. Like, I I didn't learn. These things, you know, sadly, I, I more so reacted to them like, oh, shit, 
I'm out of school. All of a sudden, I got 20, 30K in student loans now. When I wish I was taught in high school, like, okay, there's no, there's other ways that you can do this and yeah. so forth. And, um, you know, there's that's just not the only way to go about it, yeah. you know? Um, but, I mean, I wasn't always responsible with finances. Uh, my wife is a lot better with money than I am. Also, in, so. in, in like, public school, they, they want you to go to, like, a four-year college. Yeah. Which, there's nothing bad with that. Right. But they kind of frown upon trade school. Yes. And I, I've, I've been in class where they kind of talk down on plumbers and electricians yeah. and all these other guys. I'm just like... They're making more money than the suits are. Yeah. <laughs> they, could, they may go to trade school for, like, a year, half yeah. a year, maybe two years at most, and come out debt-free, <laughs> mm-hmm. no student loans. And just um, what was it? And just make like a ninety thousand out the gate. Yeah, being an electrician, you know, you're needed everywhere. Yeah. Everybody needs you as an electrician. Yeah. So it's just like, not how about we don't look down on trade school and also promote that as well as a viable option if you don't want to go to a four year college. Yeah. You know, I went to trade school. And I think I came out pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went to trade school to be an automotive technician. And yeah. now I'm, I'm, most people who call me are like, okay, man, I have a problem with my car, and you're my car guy. And I give good advice for them if I mm-hmm. can or cannot fix it. But it's just like, you know, there are other options to where you aren't $100,000 in debt. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who go to four-year colleges will graduate, and when they do, it's just a tremendous amount of uh, the amount of debt you can graduate with in college is enough to buy a house True. or put a down payment. And True. those who don't graduate from college or drop out, you, this debt still goes with you. I think, I think I'm correct on this, that student loans are the only debt that don't go away, even if you are bankrupt. Or so, dead. Yeah. It just, it, just goes, <laughs> it just keeps on going. I think yeah. it's the, actually the only one now that just keeps on going with you. Yep. So if you're dead yep. or bankrupt... It's still there. And in fact, there's a story that there's a retired person who, you know, 60, 70 years old, is retired now, mm-hmm. and is still getting docked for student loans. So her retirement fund, he or she's retirement fund, is still getting fined for student loans. And, you know, they're in a retirement age of, you know, 68-plus years old. So it's just like, no matter what you're going to do, you're still going to be in debt if you don't pay it off. Yeah. And, yep. you know, there's a big problem in today's uh, economy where kids don't know what loans are. At 18 years old, these guys were signed a $100,000 loan plus. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's right. They, in, in public school, they don't teach that, hey, these loans can really mess no, you up. Not only that, you know, some of them are probably paying like $800 a month for a Challenger yeah. or a Mustang yeah, or something yeah. on top of that, too. Colleges only get expensive. They go up every year almost. Yeah. And I think they can do that because they know they can get money no matter what. And funding from yeah, the government. Yeah, student loans too. are governmental, right? Yeah. So for the, the most part, yeah. If government's going to you know, front the money and the colleges are going to get that front no matter what, it's just like, okay, why not just make more money and raise the price of tuition every year? Yeah. So do I think that we need a program or we need something to help student loans yes but i also think that we need to also hit the colleges and universities like hey 
you guys are going to only charge them so much because you guys are guaranteed money from the government and from these loans from students. Why don't you guys bring the loan prices down to where people can afford it? Yeah. And we can help the people who are in debt with student loans. And eventually, with time, everything will settle down yeah. Yeah. to where student loans are cheap. It can be affordable. That's and right. it's not the same price as a mortgage of a house. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> true, true. And... And they, they I, I agree with you that there should be reform. Yes. And, and, you know, they should look at that because in this day and age, you can pretty much learn a lot of, I mean, you can learn a lot of things from the internet. Exactly. Whether it's from Google or YouTube or Khan Academy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of different websites like me. Um, you know, in, in my profession, I, I go to a lot of websites and, and, and learn things too. Yeah, I mean, and like Plural Site, for example, is, yeah. is a website that IT professionals go to to learn uh, about a lot of different things, right? Whether it's in DevOps or SysOps or networking, whatever you want to learn or get a foundation in. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the the universities are out of touch. Yeah, and they're old. So and you, you can get a good general education on YouTube and online sites. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're going to go be a surgical doctor, go to university. Yeah, go to university. Yeah. But if you just want a good education in general yeah. and just have a little general knowledge of everything, YouTube, you have books online, yeah. you have audio online, books on tape. You have all these utilities and tools online that you can get for free mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. have to go to you know a big university. Obviously, oh, lawyers and Doctors and scientists and all those fields and engineers. Yeah, go to university. You're going to need to because there are some educational things there that you're not going to get from YouTube. Yeah. yeah. But if you're just going for, if you just want a general education and just to be well-educated, I fully believe you can get that from YouTube and all these other online websites that, you know, it's for free. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want to go to trade school, go to trade school. Yeah. Most of the time, if you go to trade school, those uh, instructors are pretty well known in the community where they'll tell you, hey, I know this guy. He can um, get your job here, get you working, get you on the field, get your experience while you go to trade school and get the education there. So you're working and going to school, making money. Yeah. And while you're making the money, you can pay off the um any loans you have from there, get your tools, get everything. And by the time you graduate, you got a job. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not even an entry level job. You're like intermediate level because you've had experience and you have the education now. You're making good money. You may not be like filthy rich, but you have a good living. Yes, you can afford yes. a house. You can afford a shelter. You can afford food. You can you're, afford you're, things. Yeah, you're not having like a liberal arts degree and working in a restaurant or yeah, something yeah, yeah. and. Or working in a fast food place. And, and this is for know. both, you know, men and women. You know, women can be electricians. Women can yeah. be on construction sites. Women can be plumbers and everything. Yeah. This is for everybody. Yeah. Most when, definitely. When, yeah. You're, when you're on the, on the field as a tradesman or tradeswoman, most, most of us don't care what gender you are. Yeah. You just want the job done, get paid, and go home. You know what I'm saying? For sure, yeah. And I see a lot of, uh, you know, it's a big, big thing today where, you know, you see women not get paid as much as men in the uh, business setting or the office setting. But in, in the mm-hmm. tradesmen setting, you can make good money in both genders, no matter, mm-hmm. you know, no matter who you are. Because it's just like, 
the best guy in the trade is going to get paid the most. And the guy who takes the most jobs is also going to get paid the most. So it's just like, there's no, like, you know, gender, gender uh, division there. It's just, yeah. you know, everyone's pretty equal. Usually the, the tradesmen are the best hustlers. Yeah. Because they typically uh, make all the money they can. Yeah. And then they go out and then they start their own business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know I know a lot of guys who work on a construction field with me and they yeah. they work for a company, get the feel for it, get the experience for it, and then eventually they um they'll go out and they'll they'll get licensed and everything and they'll just make their own company and make their money from there in the point where like, okay, now they start their own business. So what what do they Become after being a tradesman. They become an entrepreneur, make their own businesses, and not to mention, yeah. they provide jobs for other people to come in, get their feet in the water, get a feel for the field, you know, and still make money. While you go to, you know, other people go to, you know, yep. colleges, yep. and college is very competitive after graduating because you realize you and your classmates of, let's say, let's say 500 other classmates in that field are competing for one job. At a company, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Imagine going to having an art degree or whatever for graphic arts and going to Disney. Well, what if 500 other guys want to go to Disney too? <laughs> but Disney's just That's one true. company. Yeah. But if you go for a tradesman, you can build and grow your own company because you're always going to need plumbers, right. electricians. You're going to need guys for HVAC and AC. You're going to need guys fixing your cars. Yeah. You're going to need guys to build. And you're going to need guys to build an infrastructure of a city. It never ends. And things always break down. Yeah. And and what if your gig at Disney doesn't work out? Yeah. Like, how are you going to eat then? Yeah. So you have to go find another place. So yeah. if your dream job is Disney, you know, if they say no, they say no. But if your dream is just to live a good life, make still make good money, mm-hmm. there's other options. And I want yeah. everyone to know that there are other options out there to be when you're, you know, yeah. 21 or 18 when you graduate school. Yeah. So, and, what are you going to say? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, I I did I did feel like, you know, even back at, in high school, we went to the same high school. Um, the the trade learning a trade was looked down upon. Yes, and there was a stigma associated with it, and they always, you always felt that the folks. That were, you know, in like the beta club and the folks that, you know, were in DECA. Well, I was in DECA, but still that were in DECA, you know, were, you know, the programs that they were in were probably better funded than the ones that, you know, you had the departments that were responsible for teaching the trades, right? So. Sorry, guys. My volume was down. I was in the department for trade yeah. school, and you had to um, make your own funds. You know, either be school car washes or selling candy or yeah. whatever. Well, I guess in Bay or Deca, you guys just had school funded things already going on. You know, <laughs> yeah. right? You guys sell like what Chinese food and yeah, yeah, food. So yeah. that was already happening. Well, over here, we were just like, okay, let's do a car wash or let's just sell candy or. Something, yeah. you know, just if, you know, do something for Skills USA. 
And um, yeah, you're right. I mean, when I was in school, there was a teacher who said, you know, she didn't care if you graduate or not. She, she there's always she needed somebody to change her oil. Kind of like downgrading on technicians and guys who change oil. That's messed up. But don't forget that I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Why am I not surprised? But don't don't forget that. The guy changing oil is also the same guy who fixes your engine, yeah. who fixes your transmission. He's actually the reason why you actually get to your job every day. Safely. Yeah, safely. safely. Yeah. He's the reason you get to your job. He's the reason that you can go to the store. He's the reason that you can go anywhere. Your, your well, AC is nice yeah. and cold in the fucking summertime. Yeah, yeah. That so, he's the reason why. It's always, it's always put, put a bad taste in my mouth that this is what they, they kind of teach yeah. and this is what they look down on because just like and it made you not believe yeah. in the education yeah that we had yeah if anyone's has ever experienced that their ac going down and it's their hot hot house is just an oven guess what you, you're calling the hvac guy fast yeah or if you don't have water and you yeah. can't take a shower after a hot day you're calling that plumber pretty fast, and you're going to pay him whatever because you just need him. Yeah. yeah. Or if you don't have electricity in your house, guess what? You're calling the electrician quick. And he's coming on a Saturday. He's coming on a Sunday. Yeah. He's coming at nighttime. Because guess what? Those are arguably the biggest hustlers in all of America. Yeah. They always hustle. They always grind because they're going to make it. They, they're going to be charging the premium rate, too, yeah, for yeah, coming yeah. out on the weekend <laughs> and at nighttime, bro. <laughs> those those HVAC guys, if they come on a Sunday and they need to go to the store on a Sunday, and granted, the store's not open on Sunday. Yeah. But they will open if you pay that fee. <laughs> so they got you're going to have to pay that guy the Sunday fee mm-hmm. for him to come out on Sunday, and he's going to have to pay the store fee for them to open up the door so that he can get the parts on a Sunday when they're closed. So guess what? Those guys do make money. Yeah. And shout out to all the uh, trade schools and all the trade bins and women out there. Because you For guys sure. make America. And actually, you guys make life easier. Yes, yes. Because, like, earlier this week, I had a lot of problems with my Kia. Yeah. And uh, it was fixed once before, but there was another problem. Yeah. Um, it got fixed just this morning, actually. I felt like the dude who fixed it for me, you know, he went into detail what he did. Like, he, he opened up the hood, and he showed me. And, um, bro, he was, like, my fucking superhero, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd like to give a shout-out with you <laughs> to all the, all the tradespeople yeah. out there because society cannot function without you guys. Yeah. And, you and, know, like like I said, if your car breaks down, it's, it's that's. It's rough. Yeah. It's just like you can't go nowhere. Yeah. You know, inconvenience with Uber and Lyft, but like. You feel like you got your balls cut off yeah, for the guys. Like, you can't uh, really just do least. anything yeah. without a car nowadays, you know. Unless you live in like a big city where you can walk everywhere. But like we still live, you know, Tennessee's, you know, a city, but we still live in rural parts and suburban parts where, yeah. you know, the, the store is like. Eight miles down the road, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? There's so no mass transit. Yeah, so you still need a car. Yeah. And for us, it's just like, oh yeah, if a car goes down, it, that's kind of it. We, we lost, we lost our sense of independence. Yeah, and and freedom. Yeah. And so look, man, we uh, we're two hours in. Granted, we had to stop, yeah, but you know, uh, I like to end the podcast with a couple of questions. Okay. And okay. these these kind of do hit home, kind sure, of do hit sure. some personal points. So my first question is. Um, Who's your hero? I would say my hero, uh, 
you know, would be, still, still would be my father because the challenges he endured throughout his time on this earth is, is crazy. And the way he dealt with him at the time, uh, is, is very badass in the sense that, okay, so his father was taken to the concentration camp, right? My grandfather, when he was like 13. And this was after the communist takeover of Laos, which at that time, Laos was so poor and bankrupt that there wasn't even enough salt for everybody. Yeah. So it was, it was very poor. And so, like, you know, he didn't know where his dad went. Um, he, he just saw one day that, you know, 13 years old, a bunch of communist soldiers coming take your dad away, you know. Don't know where he went. And, you know, three years later, He's 16 years old. He's like, I'm tired of shit here. I'm tired of life here. You know, you work you work your ass off, but you don't get anywhere. Like, all the kids that are sons and daughters of the communist leaders and of the communists get all the privileges, right? Or us, the, the people who fought with America, uh, or alongside America, not with America, but fought alongside America, um which is our side, you know, uh, they didn't have those same opportunities. So, and, and that, and he was just pissed, you know, he didn't know what happened to his dad. So 16 years old one day, you know, just swims across the Mekong River into Thailand and stayed in refugee camps. And he then joined like a guerrilla army to fight against the communists to try and save his dad from to try and find his dad, where his dad was being held. At the time, you know, they were saying, you know, they're holding the POWs in Vieng Sai, which is that province I went to, right, near the border with Vietnam. So he joined this insurgency army to fight against the communists, tried to save his dad, but couldn't find his dad. In the end, he gave up, went to Thailand, worked a lot of odd jobs, and... um from when he left home up until my grandmother passed away, like his mom, uh, he was able to send her like some money back home every single month until the day she died. And much respect for him because he took care of his mom, you know, until she died. And uh, I don't think, you know, there's a better tribute than that to your mom other than, you know, paying it back uh, by taking care of her like that. And so he came here without a penny, you know, didn't know the language, but uh, he did what he had to do for our family. Uh, he worked in fiberglass for 30 years, you know, <laughs> with the boats and all that. Yeah, that's, that's a rough, yeah. rough thing to fiberglass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my hero's my dad. Um, but uh, I will say this, um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny how the rest of us, you know, like Jacob and myself and Cohen, uh, <laughs> we don't know our way around a car <laughs> yeah. or anything uh, masculine for that matter. Yeah, you know, but yeah. you're always the guy that, you know, because like for us all as a family, right, growing up, our dad was like our grandfather, like Potul, right, which is the Lao word for grandfather. 
And so, like, you helped him, like, do his landscaping, cut his lawn. Like, you helped him with his car and so forth. So, like, we over here are like, all right, we don't know how to do this shit, but Elton knows how to do his shit, but it's just him and his mom. And so, like, all my life, I'm just like, that's, that's what's up, you know. You know, Elton, like, knows how to do a lot more manly shit than I do, <laughs> which, is, which is awesome, you know. Like, he knows how to build houses and shit, you know, from the ground up. And I, I don't know that. I wouldn't so say much from respect. the ground up, but, <laughs> you know, I'm on the field with the guys seeing how they build houses and how to make a foundation with concrete. And but, bro, they- you did the, all the drywall. Yeah, for like I, that I did, garage, yeah. man, by yourself. I, I did by do yourself. That. Yeah, and you know, in a sense, I'm a tradesman at heart. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, whatever I can do with my hands, I yeah. I can perfect and make yeah. it better and all that type of thing. You know, yeah. I, I, when I was younger, I wasn't really the I wasn't school smart, but I was very street smart, and I learned how to adapt. Yeah. And you know, and I realized I can learn from my hands. Experience with my hands, you know, very technical with it. And, you know, that's when I was like, okay, maybe I can't be, you know, whatever they want me to be in college. Yeah. So I took my options. I was like, okay, trade school. And we go, you know, previous conversation, we went through the trade school thing was, okay, I can do that. And, and truth be told, I I made good money from it. But yeah, you're, you know, I was, and I still am the, the, the tradesman at the family. Just, yes. Any problems as far as cars, houses, and yeah. you know, critical thinking when it comes to diagnosing a problem with a car mm-hmm. and even just a house alone. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I, I got y'all. Just gave me a call and I see what I can do. And I'm humble yeah. with it. You know, there are some things I can't do. <laughs> I'm, well, uh, I'm glad and proud to know that uh, you, you took a different route besides the university route. That some of us took, but bro, you're gonna be on your way to becoming a CEO, in my opinion, because you already have an established business, you know, with your with your landscaping company. God willing, yeah, God willing that I uh, become a CEO. <laughs> you you have a full time job, so you I mean, your day doesn't stop at like four or five p.m. No, you know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't stop at Friday. Uh, it, you work Saturday and Sunday too, so. You know, in a sense, you you are a good role model. And so I wish uh, some of our younger cousins can take note of that, too, and and see. um, You know, (coughs) it's kind of hard to be a role model when you don't really think yourself as a role model. Yeah. yeah. I'm very very oblivious to it. So it's just like I just do the things I need to do. But that's what makes you a role model because you don't think you're a role model. Because guess, if, we, if you're know. just like I'm a role model, they're gonna be like you're fucking bullshitting. Shut the yeah. fuck up. I know? guess I guess you're right. You know, yeah. I never thought about it like that. Because yeah. for me, it was like, okay, I need to I need to focus on me and do what I need to do to be independent. Yeah. Yeah. But it just so happens, you know, if, if I am what you consider a, a role model, then you know, I'm I'm blessed to be one. Yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, I mean, I would I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, us we just soft and spoiled, man. Like. uh all all I know is like computers and politics and <laughs> history. <laughs> the useless shit, but well, yeah. the, except for the computer part. Yeah. Computers but, are very important to yes. society. Yeah, yeah. And 
But yeah, my my hero, I would say, is is my dad. I mean, I don't agree with my dad on on a lot of things, but you know, I, I felt that he, you know, early on in his life, he was a badass, you know, and you know, did what he had to do, and uh, he's taught me a lot of things about life, and so, and then, you know, I'm having to come to terms with it uh, very recently because you know I. July 15th will be our two-year wedding anniversary. So a lot of the things he said early on in my life about having a family and so forth that he told me, it's happened. <laughs> I see that. I'm sure, I'm sure from your mom too, you know, with you moving out and all that, she's going to be like, it's going to be like this and that. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I guess yeah, it is. Yeah. It is like that. I mean, like I've always told people this, you know, take all advice. Take all mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Take all of it. Listen to it. Yeah. Listen to what everyone says to you. Yeah. It's up to you whether you want to, you know, go with it, but That's listen true. to it. Because maybe yeah. one day, maybe one day, that advice you would need. So I always tell, you know, I've always listened to every advice everyone gives me. Yeah. Because it's just like, man, yeah. maybe one day it might actually help out. Or even, in fact, maybe it becomes realization that oh okay this is someone's experience and maybe i can use what they experience into my my benefit in the future so always listen to everyone's advice guys whether it be good or bad it's you know listen to it because maybe one day you might need it yeah and yeah my mom did say a lot of things when i moved out that you know (laughs) she's like you're gonna have to budget for this and that my dad told me the same thing i was like nah i got it blah 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 but then yeah. like, you come out and you're just like, well, damn. And this is no matter how much money you make, you yes. still. You still, yeah, you yeah. still be checking. Yeah. yeah, I still be double checking. Yeah. Shit. Cause, I, uh, I check my bank account every hour. It's like, okay, I got to make sure no one steals my money today. Yes. Fuck. I've had someone steal money from me, guys. It is the worst thing ever. Oh, I can, yeah, I can't imagine the stress. But, uh, I want to follow up with that question and ask you, if it was the last question you could ask your father, what would it be? It's a very good question. What was going through your mind? You spent all that time in the jungle, like three years, trying to find your father, you know, and you never found him. Like, how did that make you feel? You know, that's that's what I would ask him is how he would internalize that. Because, I mean, I know him and you know him as being like just short with words, like short tempered and so forth. So I want to get more of, an exposure to, like, the emotional side. So I think that would be the last question I'd ask him. And the very last question for this podcast, what advice would you give me? Well, you're doing a lot better than me than I did in my 20s, so I don't feel like I'm in that position. But I would say, uh, since you're doing all the right things now, like, uh, such as you, you got a side hustle, you don't have just one source of income, you have multiple sources of income. You also es- established a foundation, you know, for another revenue stream uh, with, with this podcast, right? And, but, but, you know, I know you don't see it as a revenue stream at this point. Uh, you see it as something that's documenting your life and just, you know, having candid, critical conversations about a lot of different topics and i just say uh look into it more because you'd be a good it person that's all <laughs> thank you <laughs>
because uh, you handling a lot of things all at once. <laughs> Dang, Milo. <laughs> Your dog is going wild down here. Baby. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I think he likes you now. <laughs> but yeah, bro, you'd be a good IT person. So uh, I, I suggest you go into IT also so we can work together one day. <laughs> all right, sounds good. All right, well, Gary, thank you for being on the pod. Thank you for having it was me. It a great two hours. And another two hours with the dog. Yes. He, he held us up a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, my little son. Again, <laughs> thank you for being on the pod. And guys, please tune in.